Just like the changing seasons, we diligently observe Good Friday and Easter every year. And that's a good thing. But are we just going through the motions so that we can check off our yearly list, the to-do list, along with Christmas and other religious events? This is one of the many Easter's I've attended in my life. Depending on where I am geographically, which church I'm part of denominationally, and how I'm feeling emotionally, and what I, what I have going on for myself, practically. Easter Sunday seems to take, for me, different forms. So here at Elam Chapel, it's taken on this form. And hurrah, hurrah, I'm present. I had no choice, I had to come. But from India where I am, it's different. The setting is different. Everything is different. So Easter there is a different way of celebration. In the Middle East, where I did my schooling, part of my schooling, that's different too. So depending on where I am geographically and emotionally, like I said, practically and various other ways, Easter takes on different forms. That may be the case for some of you sitting here as well. Historically, the Council of Nicaea during the time of Emperor Constantine in the 4th century AD established a common Sunday celebration of Easter, the day of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Gradually, other cultural and religious practices crept into the original message of Easter, like the cute bunnies and the eggs. Thus, there was an amalgamation, also called syncretism, of the original meaning and practice of Christianity with other cultural and religious practices. So for anyone who is not familiar with the development of these practices, probably would be led to conclude that Easter was about cute bunnies, colorful eggs, and hunting for those colorful eggs. Something like that. And Jesus was some kind of byproduct, making an occasional guest appearance. Jesus seems to have been bypassed. Now it's all about bunnies, eggs, chocolates, and hunting for the eggs. Nonetheless, life goes on. Festivities, Christmas, shopping, associated after effects of all those activities like debt, frustration, anger, sadness. Of course, there's the joys of it too, right? Gift giving and things like that. There are joys associated with it. But somehow, life feels like this. Life feels like that. The question I have for us today is, how far and for what is all this? How far and for what is all this? And this is the message title too for today. In Genesis, the first book of the Bible, it says that God created the heavens, earth and the animals, but mankind he created in his own image. 
Genesis 1, 25, 26. In the letter to the Ephesian church, Paul writes that we are God's workmanship. One translation reads, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Ephesians 2, 10. Chapter 2, verse 10. So, although our life sometimes feels like a hamster's, we are not hamsters. And we are not running in that wheel. We are certainly not going round in circles. So, how are we going? So how are we going? And how far? Now that we have established we're not going around in circles, the question is, how far are we going? And how are we going? If it's not circular, then what is it? Matthew seven thirteen fourteen 14 says... Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So how are we going and how far we are going involves choices. I like to introduce that term, choices, to decide how far and how are we going. It involves choices. God always gives us a choice. Opportunities to exercise our free will. We have free will, which he has given us. One path leads to life. It's not a wheel, it's a path. As we saw from Matthew seven thirteen to 14. One path leads to life, security with God, and another path leads to death, separation from God. We have two choices, life and death. Narrow road, broad road. Therefore, we have a choice of paths, the choice made this side of eternity that will determine our destination. That choice is made this side of eternity and that will decide our destination. We not only have a choice of paths, but also a choice of who to follow on that path to get to that destination. Is it going to be Jesus Christ or someone else? Maybe yourself, maybe another person. One may think, I don't believe in hell, I don't believe in heaven. It starts here, it ends here. Dust to dust, that's it. I'm not sure what your faith is, but dust to dust, I've heard that quite a bit. It starts here, it ends here. That's it. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has planted eternity in the hearts of man. God has planted eternity in human hearts. Human beings have a sense of life after here. It's inbuilt in them. That is why all the religions of the world, you can look it up, all the religions of the world speak about afterlife in some form or another. 
all religions. Therefore, here too God has given humans choice. A choosing to heed the message of eternity that God has placed in our hearts. Or to ignore it completely. Thinking that one fine day we'll hit the dust. That's it. Only to find that there is indeed life after hitting the grave. So we can choose to explore it further to seek out the truth or keep brushing it under the carpet, ignoring it, only to trip and fall now and then on that little mound. And then you're reminded, oh boy, but I choose to ignore. And you keep brushing it under the carpet. So God has given us choices because he wants us as his children to exercise our free will. We are not hamsters. That's been established We are not going around in circles. We have taken a path. And he's given us a choice. Choose. Because I love you. I respect you. I do not want to enforce what I want in your life. I want you to choose. Just like I as a father would ask my children. Choose. Choose. Path to life. Path to death. Choose. Jesus Christ or another. Choose to heed to the message of eternity I have placed in your heart. Or choose to ignore it. So, it's about choices. Jesus comforts his disciples with these words before his betrayal, arrest and crucifixion. John 14, 1-6 reads, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. At this point, he's speaking to his disciples. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Practical question. Jesus is speaking these lofty things to his disciples and Thomas is kind of lost. He said, all that's good, but we don't know where you're going. How do we find that way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus died and rose again so that we can show us, so he can show us the way to God. If we choose to follow him, He will not leave us nor forsake us. John 10 says, uh, He is our good shepherd. And he is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. So that we may have life and have it to the full. One translation says, Jesus' purpose in giving giving up his life was to give us a rich and satisfying life. Was to give us a rich and satisfying life. That leads me to the next point. For what and in what ways will our lives be rich and satisfying? Would be be a natural question I have. If I was sitting there, I would be like, okay, rich and satisfying. My life doesn't look rich and satisfying at this point. So for what and in what ways will our lives be rich 
and satisfying. This involves faith and obedience. So on one side, how far we want to go involves choices. For what? It involves faith and obedience. So let's look at that. Obedience is a trait that needs to be developed and honed. Since the fall in the Garden of Eden and throughout human history, the streak of rebellion is stronger than obedience. That is why Jesus demonstrated total obedience to the Father here on earth that we may follow his example. Don't you agree that in this day and age, obedience has taken kind of a back seat? Obedience to authority, obedience to what one has to say, it's more of rebellion. How dare you? If you've said that to me, I'm just going to do the opposite. So there is a streak of rebellion that is growing, not diminishing. And that is where the message of Jesus comes. He had complete obedience to his father. Philippians 2, 8, 9 states, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Obedience, my friends, is not easy, especially because it involves self, ego. But as one slowly begins to take steps toward walking in obedience, it becomes more doable and more rewarding. Faith like obedience, especially towards someone we cannot see, is difficult. Do you agree? It's for me. It is difficult. To believe in somebody that I can see once I know who he or she is, it's easier than believing in somebody I cannot see. Especially when I utter words of prayer, I'm not sure if it's hitting the ceiling or there is, a, he, there is somebody listening to me. It's difficult. So faith like obedience is difficult. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith, com- faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Therefore, When we spend time reading and thinking about the word of God, our faith develops. And the word of God is now accessible. Electronic media, print media, headsets, headphones. So we have no excuse to build our faith, to build our muscles, our faith muscles. But it comes by hearing. So let us look at some ways in which our lives will become rich and satisfying as we begin to walk on the path of life following Jesus in faith and obedience. We have choices and we have faith and obedience. Both very difficult. But we have a person who has gone before us to show us the way that step by step, it doesn't happen overnight, my friends. I can can say that. But step by step, baby steps, we falter, we fall, we hurt ourselves, we bruise ourselves, we cry out loud, Lord, this is difficult for me. I hate obeying. And for crying out loud, I don't even see you. That makes matters even worse. It's difficult. It's difficult. How does Jesus make our life Rich and satisfying. First and foremost, he forgives. 
No matter how high your sin is, or how deep you have fallen, His hand will come and grab you. He will forgive you. He will forgive you. That is how rich and satisfying life begins. You cannot have a rich and satisfying life if we harbor unforgiveness. We'll be like a festering wound with maggots within. Only when you open it up, we will see the real condition of that wound. Forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and will forgive us. Not may, perhaps. If you do these things, he will. Nothing, no condition. There is no condition attached to it. That requires faith. Let me look in all the translations, you see. Maybe the original manuscript didn't have it. Will may be missing. Okay, try. No problem. God has no issues there. Explore as much as you want. But the word of God is infallible. It says, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This high, this low, this wide, doesn't matter. Come as you are. There's no condition attached to it. No condition. It begins with forgiveness. How do we experience rich and satisfying lives? Reconciliation. That word is known to us. It's all across Canada. Reconciliation is the term now. We want to be reconciled. Before we become reconciled with one another, we have to be reconciled with God, our Creator, first. Only then reconciliation is meaningful and truthful. Because we were alienated. Sin separated us from God. And through his son Jesus, if we choose to walk, in, follow him in faith and obedience, the second thing that would make our life rich and satisfying is reconciliation. It's reconciliation. Third. What will we experience for a rich and satisfying life? It's hope. So we experience forgiveness, reconciliation, hope. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust in me. Hope in me. I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a home for you. I've only touched upon three things. You're wondering, where in the world is money, Bobby? Rich and satisfying means money. Hey, if you have forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope, you're in a better position to make all the money you want. I'm going to repeat that again. If you have forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope, you're in a better position, better health mentally, physically, emotionally, to make all the money you want. God's got no issues with that. But our focus becomes different.
Three things. How do we experience rich and satisfying life? Forgiveness, reconciliation, hope. But you know what, my friends? It doesn't stop there. Forgiveness leads to favor with God. Always favor with God. When you have forgiveness, there is favor. I can approach the throne room anytime. Not because of my merits, but because God has forgiven me through his son, Jesus Christ. Because there is reconciliation, there is restoration. No point in having talks of reconciliation without moving toward restoration. I'm going to repeat that again. There's no point in having talks about reconciliation without any hint of restoration. Our God does not leave us halfway. If he reconciles us, he restores us, our standing as sons of God. He doesn't say, oh, now that you're reconciled, go on, play along. Play along. Reconciliation is incomplete without restoration, my friends. Reconciliation is incomplete without restoration. He has to restore us to his children. As his children. And reconciliation, he restores us and calls us his children, which we had lost. When there is hope, there is a home. There is always a home that you can run to. That is why a person on the deathbed who's been praying, who's been diligent, who's prayed, who's believed all his life or her life, prayed for healing. Healing doesn't take place. But you look in the person's eyes. He's got hope. Hope. I'm going to leave this earthly body, but I know there's a place for me in heaven. I have that hope. I will be with Jesus eternally in heaven. I have followed the path of life. I have followed Jesus and I've listened to the message of eternity placed in my heart. That's a choice I have made. And in faith and obedience, I have received forgiveness, hence favor. I have received reconciliation, hence restoration. And I am filled with hope, hence I know I will be with God in his heavenly abode. Let us listen to the story of Nick Wojcic. And see the choices he made and the results of his faith and obedience in Jesus Christ. You know, I think a lot of people are waiting on God to change the circumstance, to really be truly content in the Lord Jesus. But if you're not truly content in what Jesus has already done for you, you do not know what he's really done for you. Um, And that has set me free. And that has given me a platform to believe in miracles, but at the same time, not have to wait for miracles to happen before my joy in Jesus is true and full. Growing up in church, you know, every Sunday, singing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, to believe that God loves us requires a lot of faith. Because I had a lot of questions. If God loved me, then why did he let me be born this way? If God can do all miracles and anything that I ask, He can do it, then why doesn't He give me arms and legs when I ask Him to relieve me of my pain? I wanted to know the answer. I actually felt that God, for some reason, wasn't listening. For some reason, didn't answer my prayer. Um, And I was starting to think that He wasn't real. What was so, um, I guess, really difficult to get through were the years between ages 8 and 12. 
I was actually the first uh, special needs child to be integrated into a mainstream school. Um, being the only one with no arms and no legs, of course, and in a wheelchair, I had a lot of unwanted attention, um, feeling depressed, feeling alone. And at age 10, I actually tried to commit suicide by drowning myself in six inches of water in my family bathtub. After a whole day of being bullied and teased, I just didn't want to live anymore. By the grace of God, on the third time I rolled over in my family bathtub, I saw my mum and my dad crying at my grave. I saw that pain that I would leave behind, and I decided to stay. But I went through depression because no one could heal my heart. No money, no amount of friends, no amount of education or things that I quote-unquote needed to get through my daily life. It just couldn't heal my heart. Finally, at age 15, God answered my prayer. It was when I read John chapter 9. A man was born blind, born with a disability that no one could actually explain. And that sort of sounded familiar to me. People asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? And Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And faith came over me. Hearing of the word produces faith. It is a gift. It is not a focus that you can muster up inside. It is a gift given from God when you hear the promises through His Word. And that changed my life. He healed my heart and now I can be an instrument in His hand to let people know as a miracle, seeing His strength perfected in my weakness that would have otherwise been not as powerful it's more powerful seeing a man without arms and legs smiling than someone who got their miracle. What about for the people who didn't get their miracle? And for anyone who's watching right now who thinks that God doesn't have a purpose and what can God ever do with me? Well, look what God did with me. If God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, there is not one person watching this program where God can't use their broken pieces too. Now I want to quote Romans 8.28 where it says, All things come together for the good for those who love Him. You know, I thought that the greatest burden in my life was my circumstance. It is not. The greatest burden in your life is not your circumstance. The greatest burden in your life is you not being able to see your life clearly through God's eyes knowing that He knows that He's going to be with you and He's going to pull you through, that all things come together for the good. Even the worst part of your life up to this point, God is so big, so mighty, so gracious that He can turn it into some good. If I was born without arms and legs and God did not give me arms and legs miraculously for one soul, bring it on. video, we see that Nick chose the path of life. Following Jesus, 
heeding to the message of eternity and through faith and obedience to Jesus and his word, experiencing forgiveness, reconciliation and hope. Thus he was able to bring the message of forgiveness, reconciliation and hope to many people around the world. Nick chose the path to life. He had the opportunity to kill himself, path to death, but he chose, he made a choice to choose the path to life, to choose Jesus Christ, and to heed the message of eternity. As a result of faith and obedience, he experienced forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope. He wasn't healed, but he had forgiveness. He had reconciliation. He had hope. It is sad to note, though, that when people choose the path that leads to death, following one's own, one, one's own desires and schemes of the devil, ignoring the truth of eternity, without obedience of, of faith, but rather unbelief and rebellion, those are the fruits, unforgiveness, alienation, hopelessness. Looks like the world we live in. Unbelief and rebellion causes unforgiveness, alienation, hopelessness from God our creator and from one another. Choose. Please take a moment to think through what you have heard and seen prayerfully and carefully decide your choices. If you notice today a stirring in your heart to heed to the message, I encourage you to choose the path of life, respond in faith and obedience, and draw close to him by saying the short prayer quietly wherever you are. No show of hands. Don't have to stand up. It's between you and your creator. The decision to choose and to walk in faith and obedience.